nothing reminds you that it's not a playoff game like coming to a screeching halt and uh, going to a shootout oh, eh? the shootout you never it's like you're either your best friend or your worst nightmare and in the leafs case it's uh you never go to bed happy <laughs> so only the second one of the year but uh, it just seemed like this was such a high octane fast game chances going back and forth and especially now that there was the the whispers coming out of the gm meeting that they're talking about making overtime seven minutes instead of five it's like oh that extra two minutes would have been so much more enjoyable than going to a yeah i know because it seemed like somebody was so close to scoring i mean to be fair it looked like it was probably going to be colorado but uh I would rather it end that way with something exciting at least than going to a shootout and thinking, okay, well, it's an even playing field again. Like it's, you know, uh, I'm glad we got the point. And I kind of like watching shootouts for entertainment purposes. And, you know, maybe a player might try something we may not expect or a highlight reel comes out of it or some fancy move. Right. But with the Leafs, it's like, I can't predict what they're going to do unless it's a shot straight on the crest or the puck doesn't get lifted. And I'm like, oh, it frustrates me every time because it's not like we have a Kucherov where he's going to fake it and it slowly slides in or some, I don't know, deceiving shit. Like it's so expected and it drives me insane. But you're right. We got to take the point against this juggernaut of a team and yeah, we'll take it and move on to the next one. Well, even the one that they they got on the the shootout, it wasn't even the shot that McKinnon no. was looking for. <laughs> like it just managed to squeak right under Sammy's arm. Like he was so close to having this one, but he was ready for what McKinnon was aiming for, and that's just not yeah. what happened. So really unlucky. Five hole, I thought one. it was like they expected. No, nah, it got like oh, it got like right here. It was so fast, right? Like you have to deceive the goaltender in any way. McKinnon's strength is his speed, and he utilized that. And you know, you go into a little bit of a panic mode. Like if you had Austin Matthews speeding straight at you, obviously, like oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> but, I mean, he, I mean, him and Willie both tried that. They came in full speed, and uh, it just it mm-hmm. didn't really work. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Gorgiev had a really, really good, good night. I uh, have to applaud Gorgiev tonight. 944 save percentage. I mean, I, he only let the one goal in. Thanks to our boy Morgan Riley. Where would we be without Morgan Riley, the person who's been shit on for the last couple of months here? But way to redeem himself tonight. And yeah, Gorgiev. I don't know. Full applause, man. Like, I think it was a steal for the for the abs to pick him up uh, in the offseason there. And as they um, the New York Rangers stuck with Shesterkin, Gorgiev was a good goalie as well. So surprising to me that they let him go. Um, Halak isn't like he's great as well. Don't get me wrong. He's proven. But Gorgiev, kind of like a Kemper situation coming from Arizona, going to the to the abs and working his way up to number one. Gorgiev, same thing from a, you know, um, 1B role to the 1A and look where he's at now. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair to Darcy Kemper, I'm pretty sure he was the the starter with the Wild before he went out to uh, to Arizona. So, I mean, he's at least proven himself at different points. But I think what happened with Gorgiev was 
kind of like where the Leafs are at. I mean, it's a ba- kind of a bad comparison, but similar to the Leafs with Lily and Sandine, where you can only keep one of them, right? I mean, you were never going to be able to afford to hold on to both of them when Gorgiev's uh, contract ran out. And the value is so high on him that, I mean, why keep him around as your backup if somebody will pay for having him as a 1B or even their starter? So I think they just saw an opportunity to recoup some some assets there and bring in maybe a cheaper backup um, with some experience because Gorgiev is still maybe a little unproven. And having him back up Shesterkin, like he's only going to play a handful of games. You don't know how predictable that's going to be. I think it just made sense for them, but it's it obviously hurts to let go of somebody yeah, so good. Yeah, definitely. And they're in need of a great goaltender. I mean, the guy backing up on the bench, Johansson there, the last time he played this season, the only time he's played this season was against the Leafs when the, they blew him out 6-2. to two. So it's, ugh, Frank Coos uh, yeah. is injured. Unfortunately, this team has been battling injuries all year long. But hey, so have the Leafs. I know Sportsnet tonight was whining yep. and crying about how, you know, our poor guy Lekkinen broke his finger last game. But then the list of injured players, I mean, Manson and Laniscog, McDermott, Johnson, Helm, etc. But it's like, guys. We're missing Ryan O'Reilly here. We've gone long, straight, like <laughs> long periods of time without our 1A Matt Murray, who's supposed to be our 1A, like without Morgan Riley for a big chunk of time. So the Leafs have been there. And but, yeah. TJ Brody yeah. and Matthews, uh, Mete and Ben and Matthew. Like everybody on the defense was hurt at the same time. That was yeah, stupid. Exactly. Um, that's when, you know, <sighs> even Matthews being out and Bobby McMahon had his chance in coming up. And like it was kind of a blessing in disguise for the Leafs because we got to see these Marlies come and make a statement, man. Like I would never expect Bobby McMahon to enter the NHL in this season, right? And now it's like we can count on Steves, McMahon, Holmberg, who's who's made a name of himself, uh, filling in while we were battling injuries. Yeah, and it's like the Avalanche, sure, they've got injuries and they've come out of it. Sorry, I'm just trying to put my thought together here while looking at numbers. Uh, They, 82 points. So, I mean, look. If we're going to put it up to injuries and compare them, the Leafs have had the same amount, if not more substantial ones when it comes to their goalies and their entire defense and their star forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've played one less game and they've got seven more points. So uh, that just goes to show how much the Leafs are able to adapt and how little Colorado is. So, eh, sure. Give them give them all the whining and yeah. whatever. Let's we'll start the show. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Okie dokie, so... We touched on a bit of it before we get back into the game, though. I want to ask you about something that Beaner and I talked about last episode, which is all of the new additions to the Jays Arena. So all of y'all who listened are familiar. If you did not catch the last episode, the Jays have added nine new standing areas to view games. This is called the new 
uh, outfield district. So for 20 bucks, you can get in. You are not given a seat, but you can go to any of these nine areas that include uh, somewhere to get food and drinks and to watch the game from really cool places uh, like from rooftop patios or from right behind the opposing team's bullpen or from uh, different places where they say are good to catch home runs and foul mm. balls and stuff. So, you know, it's uh, it's for the hardcore fans, for the the casual fans. It's it's a lot of different viewing experiences. There's family stuff. Nice. So I guess where uh, where I wanted to go with this was you've you've got some similar discussions that have come up in your life. So what what are your thoughts on this and, and what do you want to add to it? Honestly, I'm excited as hell for this as someone who you know, doesn't even follow the MLB. MLB. I'm just a Jays fan. I'm a hometown Toronto girl. Um, You bleed blue through and through. And that happens to be Jays and Leafs, <laughs> right? Um, You just support them. But you like to go to games, you get free tickets once in a while, and it's a good time. But my personal experience, my partner, for example, gets bored around the fourth or fifth inning, or <laughs> asks me, you know, like, this is over yet and like we're up in the nosebleeds and i'm having a great time we're all having a great time watching the game i can focus on the game but not a lot of people can so when i saw the release of these different areas especially you know two in the 100 levels two in the 500 one in the 200 i mean that's amazing first of all tickets in the 100 yeah. levels period is expensive right like the fact that you can be on that side of the game and still experience like whatever activities they have going on and be able to drink and do whatever you want and still enjoy everything around you i think it's like an added bonus to me like for 20 dollars yeah like i said it's for hardcore fans like you can be right behind on bleachers heckling the opposing team's pitchers as they're warming up or you can come with your kids and be in the family zone at the top with the fake grass and they can play cornhole or something when they get bored after a couple innings. And, you know, you guys can still watch the game. Yeah, and the f So it, I oh think it's God. great. Yeah. And this rooftop patio, man, the Sky Dome open. You're having some beers on a hot summer day watching the Jays game and you're on a rooftop patio at that point. And, you know, even if the game, nothing's going on, you just want to walk away for a little and check out what else is going on in the stadium. Why not for so cheap, make a date out of it. It's literally cheap. One of the cheapest dates you can get out of being downtown Toronto for 20 bucks a ticket. Holy. And Jays games are long as hell, right? <laughs> so it's a long period of entertainment. I think this is a fantastic idea. Yeah, I think it's going to do well. And uh, like I said, I, I hope the Sens incorporate something like this into their new arena. We'll see what happens. Uh, so you mentioned something interesting, though, you know, bleeding blue through and through. I thought of something interesting. A little conspiracy theory came to my mind. And I want to hear your okay. thoughts on it. So they bring the Florida Panthers into the league. And uh, notice that there is a massive, massive influx of Canadians down in Florida. You know, this was part of bringing a team down there. You're going to have mm -hmm. all the vacationing Snow people. Birds. It's part of the plan. But when you see it on TV, it doesn't look too great to see the stands full of the opposing team's jerseys, mm -hmm. right? I think, I think there's a reason that Tampa is blue and white. Oh, 
Interesting. I think they learned from their mistake with the Panthers and said, you know what? Because I've been to those games and I've seen them on TV. It is impossible to tell who is wearing what jersey for what team. And I think that is exactly what Gary wanted. Emotional support for Tampa Bay. <laughs> or it doesn't. I think the thing is, it doesn't matter um, if Tampa is doing bad or the Leafs are doing bad. You can't tell, right? And there's so many Leaf fans that go down there to those games. Like you hear go Leafs go every single time they're down there. Like the season lines up with when all the snowbirds are down there. Like it just makes sense. And at the Panthers games, it's bad, man. Like it's really obvious because the colors are jarring. Tampa? Mm. You're further implying that Gary Bettman and this playoff format (laughs) and knowing that Tampa has been the first round opponent since before Christmas for the Leafs, this is you know, a conspiracy, right? Like maybe, like I said, emotional support for these fans down south and for the Leafs and, you know, for us not to cry while watching them, but at the same time, is this all a part of the, I don't know, a bigger plan you're hinting at? I don't know, man. Um, I want to see when Tampa changed to Tampa Bay jersey, Tampa Bay Lightning jersey history. Where did you hear this? When did they change to the blue and white from... I just made it up. No, you just made it up? Yeah, okay. I came up with it. <laughs> it came to me. I like the black and so the jerseys. since... Those ones. They got rid of that. Um, I mean, they still kind of... Since 2017, they haven't had it. They didn't really have it since 2013 either. Hmm. Uh, 2008, they only had it uh, kind of a black stripe, so you wouldn't really be able to tell yeah. still. Like they they haven't had their home jersey as black since two thousand seven two thousand eight. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and that's after they uh, you know took the team apart after they won the cup. So, hey, maybe. Just saying. There has to be some. Which leads into another yeah. thing. Another thing. Another thing. So Beaner and I talked about expansion to uh, Houston and Atlanta. That came out in little whisper rumors on Twitter. Gary Bettman addressed this after the GM's meeting, saying that uh, there has been interest from Houston, Atlanta, and Quebec City, but they have no plans for expansion at this time. So what I find extremely interesting about this is Gary Bettman is very, very, very careful with his words. He would not name cities even if they're out there in rumors, he would just say there has been interest for expansion, but we have no plans for it at this time. The fact that he named the cities means they're a little more down the line than just mm-hmm. rumors. There's been some sort of talks around this. They have at least uh, investigated what this would look like. They've done some research on it. Like he wouldn't go as far as to say those three cities because Quebec city was, the fact that he threw that out there was almost to kind of uh, not add to it, but, you know, people were arguing, saying why these places and not Quebec City. And he kind of threw it in there as like, don't worry. Like, we're also considering mm-hmm. Quebec City. 
That's at least how I'm looking at it because Gary Bettman never says anything by accident. Yeah, he's a lawyer for a reason, right? This guy is a smart dude and he knows how to address the media whether we like him or not. And you might be onto something, honestly. Um, a lot of people who hold positions of power, um, you can de decode what they mean based on their statements, which is clearly run by their PR team, right? Like, clearly none of this shit's getting out before it's, a, like, read over in some way. But, mm, I, <laughs> I don't know. I think we need a sponsorship from Segway because this has just been a great one, <laughs> uh, one after another. So here's another segue. So I think that Bettman uh, is waiting to see how much the Sens sell for to see where the market's at for a team. Because at first, the value was estimated about $650 million. Then Bill Daly came out and said it was a 850 and could potentially eclipse a billion dollars. Hmm. So that is almost double their original estimate. And that's to buy a team that you still have to build an arena for. So we were incorporating that arena building cost, which is probably like what, 200 to 250 to $350 million, I think, Ooh. to build something like that. And you got to do that on top of it. Like, like I was saying, you know, if you spend 600 and something million on it and then you have to do that, you're reaching that billion threshold, which is what we've estimated the teams to be at. But if they're selling just the team for a billion, man, that's, he probably wants to see how that plays out before they even get further with the discussions, I guess. They're waiting on uh Ryan Reynolds offer for the team and, um, like you said, comparing the price for Arizona, especially once Bedard goes there. <laughs> and after a couple successful seasons for Bedard, maybe later considering a price on a new franchise. Uh, what's the, oh, climate, how much was the climate pledge arena? Good question, but it was a lot because I know they're the first to be oh. um, environmentally friendly. Uh, we went we went over this in our first episode when we uh, faced the Seattle Kraken and how it's supposed to benefit um, like renewable energy sources and such. But we all know if you have anything like that into play, like solar panels, for example, it costs an arm and a leg. So how much is it, Roscoe? $1.15 billion. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. There you go. Uh, UBS Arena was $1.5 billion. Oh. What was another recent arena? Oh, my God. I think my estimate yeah, was way I'm off. Yeah, I'm totally out of the ballpark with this. I don't know my numbers here. What, what's the Vegas one? What's their arena called? Yeah, you're. I don't know. I got to Google that. <laughs> no, I got it here. Cost to build Vegas Gold Knights Arena. T-Mobile Arena. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so here. This is a little more reasonable. So I think the other ones were, like you said, Climate Pledge Arena was on purpose um, taking no... How do I put this? They weren't taking cost into account when they built it. They wanted to make an eco-friendly arena. UBS, they did an entire redevelopment of the mm. neighborhood around it. 
um, the T-Mobile Arena for the Vegas Golden Knights was three hundred and seventy-five okay. million dollars. So that's probably yes. closer to what I was thinking for for Ottawa. Okay, I I didn't think I was that far wow. off. That that makes a lot more sense. Whew. Wow, Phew. I did not realize. So what's interesting there is that Ryan Reynolds. It was announced today that he sold Mint Mobile to T-Mobile. So for those unaware, Ryan Reynolds was a 20 to 25% um, share owner in Mint Mobile, and it sold for $1.35 billion. So at 25%, that's a crisp uh, $375 million (laughs) before tax that he just made. He also sold Aviation Gin for $600 million. I don't know how much of that he owned, if it was like 51% or something, but that dude just cashed all of his, he just liquidated all of his assets. That means he's about to put them yep. into something. Like he needed a ton. Remington Group said, you know, how much money are you willing to put up because all these other guys are bidding a shit done? And he went, give me two weeks. I got to make a couple phone calls. And he sold everything. That's what I'm seeing yeah. here. It it seems that way, and I really hope it happens. <laughs> How awesome would that be? Like one side of the arena all like Deadpool or some shit, and the other. <laughs> On what sense? <laughs> hey, red, black, red, blacks, man. Yeah, the color scheme exactly. works. So the thing to understand about having that much money is uh, you don't want to have that all just in cash in a bank account, like $600 million. The income tax you would have to, to pay on that is oh, wow. astronomical. So the only reason that you would make two sales like this back to back is because you're investing in something else. So Gary came out and said that um, within weeks, we could see the sale uh, happen. They've moved into phase two here where it's it's getting to not just people putting in offers. It's now the, the serious offers have been taken into the next room and uh, it's now the Joker scene where they break a pool cue in half <laughs> and whoever comes out gets the sense. I make that reference a lot. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> so, man, this is just, like I said, segue just, all of these have just led into each lots other. Lots of news Love it. Uh, in, recent, in recent weeks. So lots to talk about. But tonight, man, Leafs, hate to change the subject on you, but obviously, yeah. No, that was I, all I had don't know much about <laughs> these arenas clearly i'm one of those poor folk who have has never seen a road game for the leafs guys like i've only seen them in the scotia bank oh. right now. i've only been to the recall i'm yeah, going on recall saturday Coliseum and the marley's and you're going twice you know in the next yes. what two weeks jealous yeah saturday and then two weeks yeah. from Saturday. So super jealous of you and hoping to get to that April one. We will see, but oh man, tonight. My, my favorite is the people in Ottawa. They try to be like accommodating Canadians to all the, the Leaf fans. It's really sarcastic, but it's, it's funny. They're always like, Hey, you know, thanks for coming to visit us. You know, the cheaper seats <laughs> in Ontario. And they're all like, like kind of you know showing you the way out after like get the hell out of here thanks for coming (laughs) hey i would see um i would pay to see uh brady kachuk take you know taunt a whole team and try and take them all on at once oh it'll be an interesting game these tough guys 
So tonight, though. tonight, though. Oh my God! Back to eleven and seven. And and not the Ben and Jerry's flavor no, tonight, though. Not that. No. Have you ever had that one? We've talked about ice cream in the last couple episodes. Um, ben and Jerry's. The it's the uh, Jimmy Fallon the Tonight Dough. I think it's got like pretzels and cookie dough and peanut oh. butter and. Wow. Well, it's good. Ben and Jerry's. Maybe it's the Netflix and Chill one, but that one's. Good I find too, yeah. there's not a lot of pieces of the toppings in the mixture, so I'm digging to find a piece of cookie, and it's like never appearing. Yeah, ben and Jerry's. I'm always disappointed. I'm like, I paid twelve dollars for this little can of shit <laughs> can i add one more random tidbit because this actually relates to the game i did not know because i was like two years old when they came into the league um or when this happened at least i didn't realize that the colorado avalanche were almost called the rocky mountain extreme <laughs> that would be extreme <laughs> I got to read into the whole story, but it was the uh, Late Arrivals podcast. Shout out, Chris. Thanks, uh, buddy. Who commented uh, on the when I posted our last episode. It was something about the expansion teams in Houston and uh, um, Atlanta. And he commented something about the Rocky Mountain Extreme. And I was like, wait, who is that? And I looked them up and I went down this rabbit hole of like how the owner of the Colorado Avalanche wanted to call them that and they were like very close to wow. being that. Hmm. Yeah. People have made like mock-up jerseys and like, you know, fake promo posters for winter classics and stuff. Interesting. And, yeah. I bet uh Beaner knows all about it and missing you right now to give us yeah, that I'm little sure. history lesson about the Colorado Elephant wet Colorado Extreme. <laughs> no. The Rocky Mount- Mountain Extreme, oh, my not God. even Colorado, just the Rocky Mount- Mountain Extreme. Rocky Mountain Extreme. It's like the Green Bay oh Packers. That is that could that could have been something. I mean, it's not. It's very like late nineties, early two thousands. It was extreme, like with an X. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine, like the colors of the Colorado avalanche now, but like more vibrant. So it was more like a blue and purple, like the solo cup thing with like an X through the middle of the Jersey. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I want nineties neon colors. Just, you know, like um, what's the logo you created with the teal and the purple and all that. And then the big X in the middle. Yeah. That's the solo. Yeah, cup. Okay. The, that's the that's thing. That's the thing. I didn't real. I forgot the the name of the thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's called. For anybody who has ever wondered, if you're trying to look that thing up, it's called Solo Jazz. Okay. Just so you know, I found it. I went another rabbit hole. They had a contest with people that worked at the factory to submit nice. designs, and some woman that worked there. That was the one she submitted, but because it was a contest within the company, she doesn't get compensated for it, even though it is outside of the Red Solo Cup solos brand essentially so it's uh, silly anyway game let's talk about hockey okay wow coming so morgan riley morgan riley everybody everybody has been all over him and you know that graph you shared just shows him at the worst for goals for and goals against on the leafs while he's on the ice it's it's just not been his season 
and we've been waiting for him to find his game. And tonight, I thought he was going to score on that first one. Ding. When he, like I said, he dented the post on that. That was so loud. I was watching on my phone at work, and I could hear that ding. Like it was on low volume and just boom. Like holy I shit! I think my chair shook and <sighs> literally sent vibrations from Scotia Bank Arena to Oshawa. Fifty-one seconds into the period, all you hear is ding from Morgan Riley. I'm like, ah! and. <laughs> Off a disgusting drop pass from Matthews, by the way. Rushing in, you know, taking that chance and being that offensive side, like reactivating that offense to him. I don't know. It's been, you know, sometimes we pick on him because he's pinching too much or he jumps on the play too early or too late. But tonight, gotta say, Morgan Riley probably played one of his best games of the season. Yeah. And you know what? Morgan has to be feeling oh i'm feeling pretty good pretty 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 good pretty good because uh i i mean i knew he was gonna score tonight just off that one shot i was like oh dude's feeling it tonight just like you said the confidence to jump in on that and uh and even beating gorgiev just couldn't get it to in the right spot there Soon after, he manages to find the back of the net in almost the exact same manner. Yeah. Miko Rantanen? Or, sorry, the next goal was Miko Rantanen. Yeah, you're still, no, on, you're still Riley. on Riley here. I'm jumping ahead. But Riley, oh my God. I have to say, though, Marner had to pick up a new twig off the bench on this play as well. Did you catch that, Johnny, on your phone? No, so- I didn't. I I was watching the first on my phone. I was coming home on the second, and I watched the third in overtime in the shoot. Okay, there's the full disclosure. <laughs> you know, thank God, thank God for our uh, <laughs> assistant on the bench there, who's always ready. As they said on the broadcast, playing piano with the sticks has his fingers on everyone's stick who's on the ice because it was brought into action. And Marner taking that new twig and setting up the play. Um, honestly, beautiful <laughs> shot, Riley, but. Third star of the week, Mitch Marner, six points in two games uh, before tonight. And that assist on this goal matches his assist total from last season at 62. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Mitch is on fire. And he doesn't. And he's not competing with Jonathan Huberto this year because Jonathan Huberto sucks this year. (laughs) Much to my fantasy team's chagrin. The secondary apple, we have to applaud, you know, Kali Yarncroke on this first line tonight. Uh, I got to say, yeah, oh, he was great. I liked Kali Yarncroke on this first line. I mean, he was driving the play, um, kind of bringing what bunting has been missing for the, from that first line and not just getting too aggressive, but taking the shot. And this is why I love Yarncroke because he's not afraid to fucking shoot a puck. Oh my God. Honestly, since he's come in, he's one of the most consistent shooters in the sense that when he has an opening, he's going to take the shot. Like he's not somebody that they have very few people that think shot before pass, even when they shouldn't. Like there's guys that have great shots that are have I mean Marner this year has started shooting, but you know, you see like when Kerfoot and Engval were going down, it's like either of you could take this shot and neither of you want to. Yarn Croak is the first one on this team this year who every opportunity he gets, he's going to take the shot. And he has scored on quite Even a few. Even last of them game now. against Buffalo when it was a two on one with him and Matthews. 
all eyes on Matthews because everyone's like, holy shit, Matthews is rushing the net. And when he passes a yarn croak, you know, no one saw yarn croak coming. It was an easy shot and straight in. And like having that hockey IQ to utilize your superstars in that aspect and being sneaky and taking the shot and, you know, just take the risk. Who fucking cares if you're in the zone and it's a two on one, two on oh, like tonight. And Oh man, lowest shot total of the whole year, by the way, with 19 on the shot counter. But Kelly uh, Yarncroke wow. still posting four hits as well. Uh, one shot, I know I'm, I'm saying take the shot, take the shot, but he still made his physical presence noticed at the same time. Well, make I didn't think he held up the play in any sort of way, like Kerfoot may have previously or bunting. Like I thought it worked simply put <laughs> yeah and i think the fact that yarn croak has a dangerous shot like i mean bunting scores but all of his goals come from directly in front of the net which is not a bad thing i mean jvr has made an entire career out of that so the thing with yarn croak though is because he's a threat of a shot it forces them to not double up on matthews and marner or uh, nylander whoever's playing there because you can't leave yarn croak open whereas you can leave bunting open because you you don't think they're going to pass it to him whereas he's going to bunting's entire reason for being on the ice is to pass it to marner yeah, or matthews exactly so it, it it just tosses up how people play against that line which i think has been stale like you can take advantage of it for so long but you know we're this deep into the season and heading into the playoffs where teams are watching game tape more than ever they're checking their notes they're they're figuring out you know what has been established by these teams in the last few meetings and you know you're coming up on your your last meetings with most teams that for the season so they know what to expect so it's a great shakeup, I think, to have Yarn Crook yeah. up there with him. Yeah, and the next shift out, who is Yarn Crook with? He's with Kerfoot and Lafferty. And the shot on net from Yarn Crook is fed by Kerfoot behind the net. And Yarn Crook sitting right in front with a big slapper. And, you know, Lafferty's just zooming all over the place. Like, with this 11-7 and 7 system, it's nice to be able to see these guys play and not having to fuck up all the lines and the sequence of the lines later on the game i mean there's been a lot of complaints out there but at the same time it's you know getting that fresh look and fresh legs on the ice and short shifts and keep pumping out the you know the shifts i don't know it, it just works right now for me even though they may not be clicking as much as you want but i like seeing these new names together I think it gives them some fun opportunities. The one complaint I have about the 11 and 7 is uh, when you have seven defensemen, why are the forwards the ones blocking all of yeah. the shots? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not looking at the, the number stats right now, but um, not in terms of the am amount of shots, but the type and uh, danger of shots and situation. It was a lot of forwards covering their asses tonight and i'm like um isn't the whole point here that the forwards don't have to worry about back there and they're going to use everything for scoring <laughs> like wh what is happening here with this so system the leader in blocks tonight is tied between mitch marner and jake mccabe uh both not nominate them both for the norris <laughs> yeah i mean i'm fine with marner blocking a shot here and there but not when 
you're in this situation and not when you're getting this close to the playoffs and not when he's taking it lying down in the side of his yeah. leg. Like, that was not a good place to do that. Leave that to TJ Brody. He probably has a callus on the side of and his leg. And the thing leg. with Mitch Marner, like, right? Pay, playing on the PK and the PP. Oh, my God. Do you have any idea what his ice time was tonight? Or are you looking at that right now? Or do you want to take a wild um, guess? I'm not. Um, let's say 26.35. Matthews was 26.52. Marner was 29.10. Oh my god. See, that's I get that they went full OT, but like that's too much. That's the danger of this 11 and 7. Like I get that these guys can do it, but they shouldn't do it this many games heading into the playoffs. Like don't tire them out. We should be protecting these guys at this point, especially with O'Reilly out. Like you can't lose somebody else. Yeah. And if you're going to protect them in this manner, then the defense need to step up and just play defense when there's seven of them. And like, aside from obviously Riley and I hope Gustafson, but like they really gotta gotta protect the back end there and not force the forwards to cover yeah, for them. I mean, like you said, we have so many D. We can afford to lose. This sounds so bad. I don't want them to get hurt, of course, but we can afford to lose one. Yeah, but that's the point. <laughs> I said this on the last episode with Beaner. I was like. Dubas must be so frustrated with these guys. It's like, I got you so much backup on defense that we actually don't know how to keep them all in the rotation without losing one to waivers. And the forwards are getting hurt. Why are you guys blocking shots from each other? What are you doing? Don't be in front of the shot. I asked you to just stay healthy. And speaking of being... Let Luke, I brought in Luke Shen specifically to kill people for you. Right, I know. And speaking of being in front of the shot, you know, super unlucky. The first power play opportunity for Colorado. McCabe standing right there. The shot pass. Rantanen is trying to feed Natushkin. Nope, it's not going through him. It's going off him and straight past Samsonov. Valley Ryan, <laughs> Four consecutive games with power play goals. My fantasy, my fantasy team is loving it, but my brain is hating it while watching this Leaf game. And I'm like, okay, fine, we'll give them one. Okay, uh, we'll yeah. get the, the couple points here. And luckily, we only held them to one, right? Because they had five opportunities tonight, and this power play is hot, 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 six overall. But hey. The Leafs are second overall in the league. Every time we record this podcast, we have been climbing the charts, and now we're already back to second. I bet you we're going to end this year on the first at first, like last year. I mean, at this point in the season, we were at 89 points. Now we're at 90 points. Things are okay. Things are good. Which is what I said last time we talked about the power play. Everybody was crying about it. I'm like, you realize we are in like fourth. And we have one of the least amount of opportunities in the entire league. Um, So yeah, the one thing I wanted to say, because you brought it up, Miko Rantanen scoring the, uh, the goal for the Avalanche tonight. That dude has really taken advantage of all the injuries this year. I have him on two of the fantasy uh hell yeah leagues we're in of course it's both of the, the free ones that don't matter <laughs> of course, but best teams on the free leagues. Uh, 43 43 goals and 35 assists this year for miko rantanen that is somebody who you could mention that name to people who watch every leaf game but don't really pay attention to other teams and they would go who the Make hell is miko rantanen 
Yeah. This guy, 44 no. tonight. Damn. Oh, is it the 44th tonight? Um, I thought it was 43 tonight. Okay. But point being, this guy came out of nowhere. Right? Well, if maybe Avs fans at home are screaming right now because they're probably like, oh. Yeah, oh we have God, so many of them. Uh, we've been watching them from day one. But hey, from a outsider perspective, Miko Rentnam, damn, like going through this the dark years with this team as well. And then the phase of not getting past what the second or third round for a while. And then finally <laughs> hoisting the cup. I'm just looking at his numbers. It's crazy. Like this is somebody that whose name I see in fantasy, but like, look, we play Colorado twice a year. Like I don't really pay attention to mm-hmm. the West that much. Uh, and we haven't been past the first round, so I don't get to see them <laughs> at all. Uh, <laughs> Since coming in, so he was, what, first round 10th overall in 2015. In uh, 16, 17, 38 points. Since then, he's had 84, 87. Uh, shortened season, he had 41 points in nice. 42 games. 66 points in 52 games. 92 points in 75 games. And now he's got 79 points Damn. in 66 games. For a total of 487 points in 474 games. Holy he picks up the slack. Cow. This dude... Well, and on a team where there's so many names, right? Like everybody pays attention to McKinnon and, you know, up until this year, Kadri, and there was, there was so much going on there that I think he just said, tends to fly under the radar. He's like the William Nylander of the Yamalik, Mik- right? Matushkin was out for several months and was just recently reactivated. Um, and also Nathan McKinnon, if you think about him in a fantasy perspective, he's a risky pick because this guy's usually injured for a good chunk of the year. And do you want to waste your first round pick on a guy who's going to play like two thirds of the season or. It's the same as like Kucherov or I mean, anybody from the Golden Knights. Yeah. Like that's my new lesson I learned this year is don't don't put all your (laughs) chips in the Golden Knights basket. Don't put all your, and that's funny because it's a, I didn't even mean putting your chips on the, the thing, making a, a gambling reference, but it worked. Yeah. Um, the, the thing they've down, they're now down Logan Thompson, Laurent Brossois. They had to bring in Jonathan Quick, who is four and oh, nice. with like a nine thirty something save percent, uh, oh. save percentage that's coming in. It's crazy. Uh, too late. I already grabbed him if you're going to nope. go check. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, uh, they um mark stones out and like they just they rotate guys off ir just don't don't pick them no they were previously and you know heading into the off season with the whole um when they had when they just picked up uh eichel right this was supposed to be the hottest line coming Mm -hmm. in you had patches at the time eichel mark stone this was supposed to be the best team in fantasy but then that kind of hit the fan and patches yeah, Patches went to Carolina and never played, and Eichel was on and off IR, and Stone's on and off IR. It's just, it's their defenseman too. It's such a yeah, nightmare. Anyway, back to this game, getting distracted. So nothing comes out of the second period, and nothing comes out of the third period, except a bunch of speed and chances. And unfortunately, like we've kind of mentioned, the Leafs looked slower tonight than the other team, and it didn't hurt them in that Colorado was able to score off of it, but the Leafs also weren't able to score. So it kind of You cannot score if you do not shoot the puck. And in the second period, the Leafs had four shots on net. 
Keith just came off the previous game saying that the second period against Buffalo was the worst period they've played all season long where they've had three shots on goal. So end of the best second period right? team in the league tonight. So. No difference there. I mean, the refs were obviously not on our side, but when you're on the power play and there's four seconds left and you get a call for having too many buds on the ice, there's a problem. <laughs> that wants to want to rip your hair out at that point because it's like, guys, you're on the fucking power play. <laughs> like, first of all, Natushkin off the one v one draw with Samsonov. Oh my god, good save! Samsonov played amazingly tonight. Uh, good thing for him because there no were kidding. many little rush chances there, and like the Leafs loosening up. But they did stick with it. They got to say they had an awesome PK. They killed uh, four out of five. I mean, Lafferty and Achari, I have to applaud them for rotating out of that high point slot, blocking McCarr, McKinnon, back and forth, and even Rantanen. Like, I was super impressed with that. Um, more forwards blocking <laughs> shots. Great. <laughs> but more, moral of the story is that you cannot score goals if you do not get pucks to the net. And again, this comes back to being a little slower than the other team. I mean, it seemed like Colorado was beating them to get everybody back to to stop. Like as you know, as soon as somebody from even Matthews would bring it in, both defensemen were already there and he'd have to turn up. And as soon as he let up a little bit, all of the forwards are back. And it was like, oh, well, now we got to do this. There wasn't a ton of two on one chances. And I mean, they really only came in overtime and that's what it comes down to. So the Leafs have to find a, a different way to to get around these faster teams because, look, defensively, they can clearly yeah. keep them out. It's just a matter of uh, turning it around and and maybe keeping it in their zone. Like, if it, if it means cycling the puck around until you find an opening, yeah, that's going to be less shots, but you got to get we something We have to in. applaud both teams for being awesome on the defense. I mean, they're both great. I was hoping yeah. that our power kill would activate tonight, but... Then I learned that Colorado has only let in two shorthanded goals all season long. <laughs> league, league, league leading, right? So it's like, come on, Marner, you had a couple chances there. And like there was a one power play opportunity where they had no shots. And like, but the Avalanche were on it. Like if they were rushing back, they were right there with them. Like it's clear that this is a stanley cup winning team and they know how to get it done no matter who is in or out of the lineup yeah um i think you just got to applaud the leafs for for keeping in it yeah. right till the very end it literally came down to a toss-up of goaltending that really was a fluke goal and otherwise they stopped everything else so it's just an annoying way to end what was otherwise a really good game um yeah I just hope the Leafs are able to, they have a couple tough opponents. So um, I hope they kind of adjust and, and get ready because it's been a couple weeks of meh yeah. teams in February. So it seems like they're just uh, waking up a little bit and going, oh shit, we were getting used to playing bad I teams. for I also do so have to applaud this overtime um, effort. I found that this... Oh, Man, so just the fact that the Leafs kept with it and kept control of the puck, and even if they didn't have it, like Matthews was basically a shadow on the Colorado player, right? And not letting anything go through. And the Leafs 
put pressure on. I mean, I had a little heart attack in the beginning when Lily like fanned on a pass at the Leafs blue line and um, Devin Taves just takes it to the net and Marner has to come back with that big block right on the side of his leg. (laughs) But Riley almost one-on-one Taves sprawls out, man. It was just back and forth, back and forth. Gustafson off the post, right? Like you want to see this guy score eventually, right? Uh, All these newbies have to score, but it's just bouncing past. Matthews couldn't get a stick on it and we're in the shootout and womp womp. We take the point. We move on. Next opponent, Carolina Friday, which we know it's going to be a tough game, 100%. Probably going to face Freddie and hope that he's going to let in a, a soft one to let us get ahead here but unfortunately news out of there that andres feshnikov is donezo for the season so on top of patches out they do lose feshnikov so that's just rough for them yeah Yeah, that's a shame that is a shame but it won't be a shame if we face them later on down the road uh rounds but speedy recovery hope that everything is well for him and yeah we do have a couple questions actually um yeah. And the Ottawa game is going to be good, too, because the Leafs are always OK against Ottawa, we'll say. And Ottawa's been, I mean, on a little bit of a slide lately, but overall, the last month or so, they've uh, started to find their game. Finally, looks like next year will be exciting for them, which is kind of right. what they say every year. <laughs> oh, man, the whole offseason on Twitter. What a crazy couple months and everyone putting their life savings, what it seemed on Ottawa being a better team than the Leafs, but. And then Eugene died. Yeah, that was weird. Um, anyway. Yeah. Rest in peace. And uh, really interested to see where the sale goes in the next few weeks. I'm hoping it's soon. Cause like, I mean, I'm here. I want to see them break ground on this arena yeah, and something happen. No, seriously. It'd be cool. But. Okay. Questiones. On Twitter asks. My question is, where do the Leafs go from here? Another tough game for them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's good things to take away from it. Uh, There were good things to take away from the other games, not as many. But I think, honestly, it's it's been the 11-7. Everybody's adjusting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't want to make excuses for them. It just seems that it's it's not how they've been playing all year and like i mean in terms of the actual structure of the team on top of having all these new guys i just think it's really awkward and that's kind of on keith to try to settle down and uh and find the groove for this team this is really the testing moment for him i think because it's it's forcing him out of what he's been doing the last couple years which is having you know your first two lines set and then play around with the bottom He's he's really being forced to uh, to get creative right now. Eh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I think they they got to get better at finding opportunities against these good teams. That's all. Like I yeah. said, what do where you do think? we go from here? We keep on keeping on because honestly, I don't think this game was all doomsday like Twitter believes it to be. I mean allowing yeah. only one goal on Samsonov tonight. I mean, all applause to Sammy. He like gave us big smiles because he put on a stellar performance, but it's good 
Didn't the Avs just score like yeah, eight goals in their last game? Yeah, they won eight to four against Montreal, and this could have easily. Well, oh, it could Montreal have easily been a blowout game, right? And like we won six two against them on New Year's Eve, but it could have been the other way around. And I feel like we have to take the positives from it and kind of see what stuck. Like, for example, Keith really enjoying Achari and Camp and Czar staying together. Like, I think this might be a a line set in stone and, you know, figuring out where Gustafson is going to fit in this roster and like just these unknown questions that you don't really get to answer unless you play the guys. And do you rotate them every other night and then Gustafson only plays the next four out of 10 game left games left, for example, or it's, it's tough, right? Too many clowns in the clown car still. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think there's some that you can afford to and the players can not be, uh, I guess they don't take a hit to their skill or confidence by sitting. And that's Gio and Shen. I think those are the two that you can give a break to and say, look, we're going to sit you tonight. We don't need you. That leaves you still with seven. And I think it's then kind of your pick of which one you want to like you can go back to six there's a way to do it but i think it's it's rotating mark giordano in and out with somebody just to give him the breaks you know keep him fresh for the playoffs the guy's not 25 anymore even though he's been playing great this season it's not a knock on him at all but the playoffs are going to be a lot more yeah. physical so keep him fresh for that keep shen fresh for that keep mccabe like you could honestly even rest Riley for a night and put Gustafson yeah. in like I, I I think there's things you can do if you want to go with six you've got the the number of NHL caliber defensemen to do it just I don't know yeah. try it out and when try once uh, Ryan O'Reilly comes back we're probably going to revert back to the six and twelve honestly like unless he finds the positivity to continue because Tampa right did the 11 and 7 through their two cup runs and Shin was the seventh guy in there so we'll see but the biggest thing that sticks out to me um I saw a tweet today from Active Stick at the Oak Leafs saying two points separate these teams over the last 20 games played but it feels like one is an unbeatable giant while the other has <laughs> been teetering on the bringing the bringing this organization to implosion pretty much toronto has been 12 7 and 1 for 25 points 70 goals for 57 goals against 87 on the pk 26 percent on the pp whereas boston has won one more game in that span, has scored one more goal, has allowed five less goals, has a worse penny penalty kill average and PK. And we are always talking about these teams as like this, I don't know, unbeatable monster. But the Leafs are right there with them. And Tampa went on a really bad skid. They got shut out 6 nothing that one game. Like, it's not all flowers and rainbows right? everywhere else. And the yeah. So just, you know, it's, you don't win 82 games. And I think this is just a bit of garbage time right now, right? Like Leafs and Tampa know they're playing each other. I think it's just, just 
Fuck around yeah. and find and out. And when Murray, you know, he first time letting in four, at least four goals in the last five starts or whatever that stat was by the media and highlighting how since he's returned from injury and now it's like doomsday for him, man, it's, it just shows how media can really fuck with your brain because when you think of Boston and Toronto, it's like apples and oranges when in actuality, Leafs are better. <laughs> Well, I'm biased, but right there, right? Yeah, Just man. right up with them. But anyway. Next question. Hound at Mike Hunter asks, is the second overall power play unit as bad <laughs> as everyone seems to think it is? Hey, that's an awesome name. I know where you're getting at. Um, I love this. Uh, I've been talking about this for weeks, man. Like the power yeah. play is not bad. People just don't. It comes back to the exact same thing we were just talking about. People don't watch other teams. They watch one team and they say, wow, these guys are shit. Compared to who? Compared to your internal expectations? Well, like, (laughs) because that's all it is. Because the standings of power play percentage say otherwise. Yes, I get the eye test sometimes isn't great. But, like, the, the numbers don't lie. Watch another team on the power play and tell me that it's better. Like not against the Leafs in a completely separate so game. So Benito's asking specifically about the second power play unit. So we have Michael Bunting, Sam Lafferty, Callie Yarncroke, Alexander Kerfoot, and Eric Gustafson right now listed on Daily Faceoff. No, the question is, is the second overall power play? Oh, see, I totally wrote that down wrong. <laughs> well, <clears throat> he's... Yeah. Being sarcastic, that is the second in the league power play okay. as bad as everybody says. With that it is. point, like that's when the yeah. power play is not coming through when you need it to come through. It doesn't seem like the second over overall power play in the league. But to my made up question in my mind, but again, that's just it's to everybody's internal expectations of the power play. Like you want them to score yeah. and they didn't. That doesn't mean the power play is bad. Because clearly they're the second best one in the league and they get no chances. Like everybody, they have still yet to oh, get a five on three. Like what? Sorry guys, I'm not with it today. We're going to finish the season with yeah. Oh, But just to touch on the second power play unit, I like the fact that you can bring up guys like Lafferty and like Kerr. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's solid. And once you bring up ryan o'reilly right like this is a solid unit in my opinion and it's definitely helped this percentage but moving on fun question from uh, chris hurley at hurley our hurley sports peanut butter naturals natural smooth or chunky okay so my mom bought natural peanut butter a lot when i was growing up um i don't like it it's the stuff you got to like put in the fridge there's no preservatives in it it doesn't separate there's no sugar or sorry it does separate there's no sugar in it it's like where there's like the oil you gotta like mix it up it's it's good for like if you're making peanut butter cookies it's good for you know if i'm making like a peanut butter saute sauce it's good for like cooking peanut butter because it doesn't have sugar and stuff in it so it you know, is a straight, just nutty flavor. But if I'm making a peanut butter and jam sandwich on white bread, that is basically cake with jam that is just fruit turned into sweeter fruit. I'm eating 
smooth peanut butter with a bunch of sugar in it. it I'm not, this isn't a healthy thing. Yeah. <laughs> the healthy thing is that there's peanut butter and fruit. There's nuts and fruit. There's the protein and whatever you get from the fruit, but it's a ton of sugar and it's plain old white bread. Like it just, it tastes good. It's not great for you. So I'm going with smooth peanut butter. I don't like crunchy because I feel like in the application of a peanut butter and jam sandwich, that's a really weird texture to randomly have in there. Cause I feel like I'm always going to like question, is this something weird in the jam? Uh, I don't know. Again, <laughs> crunchy peanut butter for cookies, but I didn't give this any thought. I had a lot to say on it. I'm impressed. So what do you think? First of all, natural peanut butter is disgusting. If you grew up on regular peanut butter, which has a shit ton of sugar, like you just said, you will definitely find natural peanut butter disgusting. I've had it many times because uh, we've had to buy it uh, for a diet here. And yeah, it separates. And it's like, I am in my adulthood. I am definitely a chunky person. both ways yeah toast you spread that it melts the nuts are there and it's nice like i honestly i went through a phase of that like it's texture i appreciate texture then i don't have to add anything else to it and honestly i rarely eat peanut butter it just dries my mouth out um usually just with chocolate yeah i'm not a big peanut butter fan if i it has to have jam or jelly or something not honey or whatever or just like something like filling <laughs> i don't know i feel like peanut butter is one of those things where people are loyal to a brand so what's your uh what's your peanut um, butter it's growing up it was always skippy with the peanut on top oh rest in peace <laughs> yeah. but that was in back in my smooth days man growing up one of my neighbors down the street always had skippy you could just like grab a spoon and eat that shit. It was so good. And then one day there was just no more. There was no more Skippy. Yeah. I don't know what happened. We're not. Big peanut butter got in the way, man. We're not crazy about the brands here. We're we're good for the, the cheap things here. So if it's uh, less processed and cheaper, I'm in. <laughs> but I barely buy peanut butter. Usually, if it's cheaper, it's more processed. Usually. But go, yeah, go on, it depends, sis. right? I don't buy a lot of processed shit, so it really depends. But yeah, I try not to. I don't know, but good question. Thanks, uh, Chris, for uh, putting that in. I would say uh, we usually get craft. Uh, I've tried Farm Boys peanut butter, but I only got it once because it's pretty expensive. I mean, it's like the same price. You just get a smaller jar of it, and I was like, this just tastes exactly the same. For those of you that don't have a farm boy near you, it's basically like, a, I don't know, Whole Foods, but normal priced. It's like, you know, if you took out all of the aisles in a regular grocery store that have like non-food things, and you just had like aisles of like pasta and oil and baking stuff and chips and cookies, and then there's just like a meat department and a produce and whatever around the outside, bakery and deli and <laughs> They have a bunch of prepared foods too. It's a really cool grocery store. I just I know they don't have a ton of them at the Toronto way. It's more of a Farm boy? this way thing. I think they came from Pete. Yeah, I think they started in Peterborough and they uh, are maybe in Ottawa and they went to Peterborough. But I know that's the might be the it's closest Whitby. one out your There's way. There's one in Whitby. Um, 
but oh, nice. rarely go there. It's in the north end, and Farm Boy is very expensive. Like if you want to drop uh, while you shop, uh, you go to Farm Boy. So here's what I have found with it, and this isn't we're not sponsored by them or anything, but like anything that is Farm Boy brand, like if you're going there and buying like, oh, Farm Boy tortilla chips and Farm Boy salsa and like that stuff's expensive. Their produce and meat, though, is cheaper than Loblaws. Like if you're going there and grabbing like like, you know, some deli meat, a loaf of bread and some stuff to make sandwiches and like some fruit for breakfast and stuff. And you it will be cheaper than most Mm. grocery stores, not than like, you know food basics or fresh color or something or no frills but it's cheaper than loblaws and metro for, for you're produce. talking to a no frills girl so if i see the price of They're anything great. that's not no frills then i'm out there aren't any in ottawa there's one in orleans what? which is like the equivalent of canada on the other side there's no no frills also, here. i'm a pc mastercard so there's fresh and food points, basics right i uh yeah PC's dumb. I only spend on my master. Fuck the West Ends, man. I only spend on my MasterCard, and I get like a couple hundred bucks a month in free groceries. You cannot beat it. Don't support I'm sorry, Galen West I'm End. sorry. This I've had it for years. Okay, I have the black one. <laughs> it's the best. Okay. <sighs> okay. Next that question. Is the end. Actually, we did have one come through. Um, yes. There's one about Morgan Riley. Thank you for your question. Can Morgan keep playing this way or will he go back to previous games version? I hope he keeps it up. I think he will. Like it's just seemed like with Alex Kerfoot where it just, they needed to finally click again and Kerfoot has seemed to find it. I know he's not scoring still, but he's at least been effective in how he's been playing. Uh, I think Riley should snap out of it. Like, don't yeah, you think? We, you have to believe it. Um, this is playoff Morgan Riley getting into action. Um, I'm going to just be positive about this because obviously his play hasn't been up to expectation, but it's been improving, right? And tonight he is the reason why we got our point. And we only hope that, you know, maybe the less ice time is benefiting him in this way or... I don't know, different D partner, but at the end of the day, we need him and we need him up to his best prime self. So, yeah, I think it continues. I do, too. I mean, look, it's it wasn't like a one off fluke play where he scored like his confidence was there. Like we talked about it, you know, he hits hits the post and he's jumping in on these plays and he's been doing that a, a lot the last few games. So finally scoring, I think it's like, all right. I'm back. Mm-hmm. I'm back, baby. I hope. And speaking of blocking shots, uh, <sighs> unfortunately, you know, Sandine tonight took a shot to the back of the knee and was helped off the ice. Um, hopefully, yeah, it's nothing That's too crazy. But he also becomes the only player in Caps history to have at least three or more points in or in um, multi-point games in three of the first four games he started with the team. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Playing on the first yes. defensive pair and on the power play with Alex Ovechkin. Real hard to get an assist. <laughs> Before, like, everybody's going to scream from the rooftops that, you know, Gustafson's not doing it. I get it. He hasn't. We talked about this last episode, Beaner and I. He's not been yeah. performing up to what we've expected from him. Like, he does have more to bring, and I hope it's there in the playoffs. We also yeah. got a first rounder. And we weren't going to be able to hold on to Sandine. 
So the fact that he's going to a team where he can be on the first pair, that wasn't going to happen here. So yeah, great. He's doing well there. If we were in a scenario to throw him on the first pair, he'd be getting the same yeah. amount of points. He's just not doing that. Like it's it's situational. He was sheltered. And like Zach Hyman is not going to get the amount of points he has this year if he's playing with Johnny mm-hmm. Gaudreau on Columbus. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, Sandy had... Line A, Gaudreau, Hyman. <laughs> I can guarantee you there's no way in hell Zach Hyman yeah. has this year. Anyway, sorry. Go on. What was I going to say? I don't know anymore, but no, it's okay. Sorry. Honestly, oh, sh- Sandine had sheltered minutes, right? And had his chance to prove it. I'm only bringing it up yeah. because I'm happy for him. I'm so happy to see him excel and succeed on this, you know, proven Caps team who recently won a cup, right? And um, the injury tonight just sucks. And for my fantasy team, but <laughs> he's been awesome in all aspects, and I hope he gets better. And his dad gets a second father's trip in less than two months, so kudos to them. Oh yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm just yeah. tired of people saying that you know that was a stupid trade because like okay, whatever. Leaf sign. Do you see Not the a- other news today? Leaf sign Ryan Turverberg to a future three-year deal, entry level contract. Yes, seventh round pick. So the 2020 I mean, draft, uh, the Leafs, this was from Steve Dangle. He, they had no more picks, and then they traded their 2021 seventh to the Bruins for the last pick of the fifth round, and that was Ryan. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. He's going to play with the Marlies. Like, he's not coming to the Leafs. So I don't really care. Could fun. be a little plug-in if bunting doesn't work out, or no, 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 not in your opinion. No, that's not. No, there's so many other yeah. people ahead of him in line that are older too. Matthew Nice uh, was nominated Player of the Year. I didn't by the Big Ten Hockey. Yeah, I didn't realize who he plays with. Is the other half of the news? I was looking Sorry. at it. Oh my god, we keep talking at the same time. <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, a lot of people were upset by that uh, today because Fantelli um, plays on his line with Cooley and they suggest that they have been the better players. But Matthew Nyes has been nominated as player of the year. So good news for Leafs Nation and maybe a name we will see way before in the lineup uh, before Ryan Tiverberg. So I'm not sure who Fantilli plays for because I don't follow this league, but it's Logan Cooley and Matthew Nyes that play on the same line. And people were mad because Nyes isn't even the highest point uh, scorer on his line because Logan Cooley has uh, two, ten more points than him. But uh, Matthew Nyes has the most goals on the team with 21. So that's that's <laughs> why. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Boston has clinched, by the way. First team to clinch, of course. Cool. Good for that. San Jose is officially out. (laughs) Bye-bye. Yeah, that's a shame. So uh, if anybody, again, if you're going to the game on Saturday, let me know. Hit me up. Say hello. Yeah. You know. That should be fun. I'm going to do an episode after. I'm going to get home. My dad will probably be here on it because they're staying with me <laughs> after the game yeah guys go and meet ed from ed's text and oh yes, don't please, please don't do 
text Roscoe <laughs> Please the entire don't. time on Saturday and find him. I will send you where he's sitting. <laughs> oh no. Uh, that'd be fun. I'm in the one hundreds. Go look go look in the one hundreds. You'll definitely yeah, the find ginger. me. Uh, he'll be jumping. <laughs> I'm definitely not in the hundreds. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll be back um, Friday. I will be... Friday. Do we want to do... Um, okay, then let's do Saturday. We'll just do the Saturday one after the Ottawa game. We'll yeah. do both. Cool? Cool. Sweet. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Follow us everywhere. We got merch available on InsideTheRink.com. Go and check it out. Link is in the description. And, uh, yeah. Have a good night. Bye. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Check out by Marty Zilstra. <laughs>